fantastically good chapter. It's a fantastic chapter. It's really a difficult chapter as well. And we've had three weeks of focusing in on all the false teachers and all the terrible things that people do. And I don't know about you, but I I found that difficult. But we're moving on. And in fact, Peter's moving on because uh, although he's written to a church which is struggling with false teachers, and, and he said to us, there will be false teachers in every age. That's part of the reason why it's a difficult chapter, because you can't help but read through it and go, wow, just match myself up here and there and whatnot. That, that's, Peter says we should be doing that. But his focus is not on false teachers. You see, Peter wasn't writing to false teachers. Now, if you read chapter 2 in isolation, you might forget that and think he's writing to the false teachers, saying to them, Ha! God's going to get you. And yes, he is saying, guys, if, if you reject God, then God's got a track record of... Well, if, if you reject God, God's got a track record of judging sin. But even in chapter 2, we saw Peter writes and says, but God's also got a track record of saving those who trust him. And in fact, if Peter's writing to the false teachers at all, it's saying to them, Turn and be saved. If you still can, while you still can, turn and be saved. Peter wants to encourage us to remember who we are in Christ. And he wants us to live that out. He's reminded us in chapter 1 that that in Jesus we have all that we need to live a godly life. He Jesus lives in us so that we can live like him. In Jesus, we are promised that we will share in the very divine nature of God. One day Jesus will return and we will be with God. Why would we settle for less? I mean, it's so easy to settle for less, but why would you? Read chapter 1 again. In Jesus, says Peter there, we can escape the corruption, the decay, the the destruction even, the corruption of the world caused by what? By your sinful desires. By which I mean yours, not mine. No, says Peter, we can escape the the corruption of the world caused by human desires, sinful desires. This world is corrupt, this world is subject to judgment because we have decided that we will get our meaning and our purpose and our life and our satisfaction from this world instead of from God. And God says, I am God. I should be number one. I am the king. And the punishment for treason is death. And Peter says, but if Jesus, if you trust Jesus, he came so that you could escape the corruption of the world. Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that just so good? Now, we've seen that, by the way, this doesn't mean that you are immune from sinful desires. Hands up if... Who's been a Christian longest? Eric, I always ask you. Hands up if you've been a Christian for more than 10 years now. More than 10 years. Yeah. Well, that's good. So, if, if those who haven't, look at these people. These guys have escaped sinful human desires. No. We've We've realized... That the parasite of sin still lives in us. But if we are in Christ, then we have escaped the corruption of the world. Because although God knows how to judge, He also knows how to rescue those who trust in Him. And Peter's shown us that several times. 
Peter's writing because he wants us to live like Jesus. He says you are new creations. Yes, you might still have the parasite of sin in you, but, but choose to live who God says you are. The false teachers in the church were going around going, Man, just live for as much as you can enjoy today. Do not bother following Jesus. And, and last week, Peter's described in detail their teaching, uh, the last three weeks, uh, and their condemnation. But now he turns in chapter 3 and he says to them, Dearly beloved, or my friends, depending on your translation. Peter turns and he says, I'm not writing to the false teachers. I'm, teach- I'm writing to you who love Jesus, who are brothers, who are loved of God. And he says to them, remember. You see, of all the issues that the false teachers were causing, a lot of it stemmed down to one big argument that they made. One big question. One big challenge. If Jesus said he was coming back, if it's been any moment now for so long, then where is he? Then where is he? This is what the false teachers were saying, and and it's understandable. That's a good question, isn't it? And if someone raises that, isn't it, of course, the first thing we go is, well, well, yeah, where is he? Because the argument is, he's not coming back. Implication, he's not coming back. And if Jesus is not going to come back and he's not going to save us and he's not going to judge the world, then Jesus lied. The false teachers are right. This this world, this earth is all that we get and so we should give ourselves over to self-centeredness and whatever makes you happy. Paul says it another way. He says, if Jesus was not raised from the dead, then you and I are idiots for being here because we could be out there living life to the large. This is the question. It comes up time and time and time again. Is Jesus alive? Is he coming back? Peter's focus here. Is he coming back? Peter writes to the, to the church and he says, this is now the second letter that I'm writing to you. Now, we've only got two Peters in, well, you know, two books, one Peter and two Peter in the Bible. That doesn't mean that Peter only ever wrote two letters. I have, uh, I've got about four cards that Taryn has written to me over the course of our relationship. That doesn't mean she's only written me four cards. It's just that I've lost a few. This, this can happen. And it certainly happens back in those days. Perhaps he, he means First uh, Peter when he says this is now the second letter. Perhaps not. But he says, I've written you a Uh, at least another letter, and in both of them I've tried to to stimulate your wholesome thinking and to refresh your memory. Peter's big aim is to remind us of God's truth so that our thinking will be wholesome. Or if you want to think in terms of bread, he says, I want to remind you of the truth so that your bread will be whole meal. You know, white bread is nice, but it's all fluff. 
Yeah, he says, I want you to have all the grains. I want you to have all the goodness. I, I want your thinking to be pure. I want your thinking to reflect reality. I want your thinking to see the world the way it really is. I want you to see yourself the way God really sees you. I want you to see your neighbors the way God really sees you. I want, to, I want you to see every decision that you make and to, uh, every thought that you thought. I want you to think it in terms of the way it really is. And it's, it's, um, it's easy for us to, to not see things as they really are, isn't it? It's easy for us to, to see ourselves um, the way we want to see ourselves. It's easy for us to lose sight of God's bigger picture. This is why the false teachers are such a danger, because it is easy for us to lose sight of God's bigger picture. It's easy for us to forget. Peter speaks in chapter 1 about being short-sighted and blind. It's easy for us to be short-sighted and not see what God has got in plan and settle for less. For example, could someone describe for me what's on the board? A lizard trail in the sand. Anyone else? A wheat field being harvested. Material, maybe? What would you do if you were in this situation? What would you be doing? You'd be what, sorry? You'd, you'd be feeling it, yeah? But just imagine yourself there. What would you be doing there? Looking for a way out? Asking questions? See, for me, this looks like a desert. I think I might go sand, you know, sandboarding down the, down the dunes. If it's a lizard, maybe I'd feed the lizard. I don't, I don't know. Lizard trail. Maybe I'd run away if I saw a lizard trail that big. You see, sometimes we look at life like this. And we've decided several things. I'm going to go sandboarding. Um, Val's going to go and pat the lizard. Um, you're each going to do whatever you think is happening there. Maybe if we zoom out just a little bit. Okay. Does that help? Maybe we zoom out just a little bit more. Maybe we'll play a record. That was a track on a record. It's not the exact same record. That was a French song, if, if you can read music off indentations like that. You know what? When we looked at it up really close, we had all these different ideas. It's maybe a piece of material. Oh, it's maybe sand dunes. It's maybe a lizard. It's, it might be this. It might be that. And that, that's so easy for us to do that with life. We look at our circumstances, we look at ourselves, and we go, well, obviously this is this, and so I'm going to enjoy as much as I can. If it's sand dunes, I'm going to get ready to go sanding, dunes, you know, sandboarding down the sand dunes. If it's not sand dunes, trust me, I haven't tried it, but I'm pretty sure sandboarding down a record is not much fun. You might get locked up. You see... Peter wants us to let the words of God shape our thinking and our doing. Because what sets God apart from us is that God sees the whole picture. 
When God says, I am what's best for you, God knows. It's so easy for us to say, well, this looks like it's going to satisfy, and God's up there going, you don't even know what it is. It's a record. Only God has a bird's eye view of time and space, and so only what he says matters. And, and Peter says, guys, I want you to remember what God has said. He spoke through the prophets long ago. Uh, and he's spoken about that last week in, or last few weeks in chapter 2. But even more amazingly, God has given us his command through his son. He's spoken through Jesus. And if you read there, he says over, over there, I want you to remember what the Holy Prophet said long ago and what the Lord, our Lord and Savior commanded through the, uh, your apostles. Now, what's interesting there is that the word command, uh, literally it says, and, and the command of our Lord and Savior given through the apostles. Uh, it, Peter doesn't say, and the commands, with an S. He says, I want you to remember the command of our Lord and Savior given through his apostles. This isn't about a list of do's and don'ts. This is about the basic demand of God that we follow Jesus, that we become conformed and likened to Jesus' image. Jesus himself said, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. This is, this is Peter, uh, Peter saying to us, remember what God has said, both in the past through the prophets, but most recently in his son, and be like Jesus. Just hands up again, 10 years, Christians longer. Hopefully you are more like Jesus now than you were when you started. It's not about making us good enough for God. Peter started right from the beginning and said, God's done it all. That's how he starts the letter and says, no, Jesus has made you good enough for God. Jesus has rescued you. But this is about being who you are. This is about living like a child of the king. This is about being like our father. Romans 12 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. How do our minds get renewed? Well, says Peter, guys, remember, God transforms and renews our minds. What is our part? We are to remember what God says. And I think Peter would argue, as he has actually, that we never grow out of needing to remember God's command and what God has said. We never get to the point where we just go, oh yeah, no, no, no I'm following God perfectly. You get to that point, well, the Bible says, watch out if you think you stand, lest you fall. Remember to think straight. But also know this, scoffers going to scoff. Peter would have us base our hopes and our actions uh, on what God has said. This is the why. The problem is there are scoffers who scoff, who mock the idea that God is actually trustworthy. Jesus spoke about them coming. Uh, Paul spoke about them to the Ephesian elders. John speaks about them and Peter speaks about them here as well. Scoffers seem to, in this circumstance, these particular kind of scoffers seem to think that God has no involvement with this world. Past, present, future. 
And their logic, as we said right at the beginning, is that if Jesus promised that he was coming back and he hasn't, and it's been so long, then he must have been lying and he's not coming back. And what they did is they looked at the world around them and they said, let us apply method to this problem. The sun came up this morning. It came up, it will come up tomorrow morning. In fact, it's come up every single day of my life. Therefore, the sun always comes up. Let us apply the same problem. Jesus didn't come today. He didn't come yesterday. He didn't come the day before that. Therefore, Jesus isn't coming. They said, nothing has changed since the days of our fathers. Who are the fathers? Uh, I tend to think they're probably talking way back to the patriarchs of Israel. They go, you know what? Ever since we've started this journey with God, life's just carried on. And then they go further and say, in fact, since creation, things just carry on. God doesn't get involved. Everything's just carries on. We've got laws, we've got gravity, just carries on being gravity. Entropy, things just keep diminishing away. And life and death keep happening. Stars keep getting born and blowing up. There's night and day, there's war and there's peace. Things just carry on. Things never ever change. You stupid Christians waiting for Jesus to return. If you want to be a wise Christian, just know that Jesus isn't coming back because that's not how the world works. By the way, miracles don't work either. Just eh, enjoy yourself. This is what the scoffers are saying. God hasn't overridden the laws of nature because I don't think he can. We get a lot of that today, don't we? And when people yell the same thing at you often enough, it's hard not to listen. But says, Peter, remember, yes, we have laws of nature. Yes, the world carries on, but, but they do so because God is faithful. The laws of nature are God's laws. And if he wants to override them, he can. You see, says Peter, the problem with the, scoff, the scoffers is they choose to forget. They deliberately forget. They claim that things have just been the same since creation. Well, there's their first problem. They admit that there's a creation. If there was a creation, then there was a point there when there was not a creation, at which point things have not always been carrying on exactly the same. Now, you get people these days going, oh, but the universe expands and then it contracts and then it expands. Later science, as far as I know, says the universe doesn't contract. It just expands and then runs out of energy. There's no energy to contract. That's not going to work. There was a point, and, and actually science backs this up, there was a point when there was nothing and then there was something. And Peter says, you just... Sake, how can you deliberately forget something like that? In fact, the existence of a universe where once there wasn't a universe shows that God is in charge. And having made everything, God then used water by separating it and he puts lands here and he just speaks and God makes. 
And then Peter says, okay, okay, that was a long time ago. Let's move on just a couple of years. Oh, what about this thing called the flood? Oh, yes, I remember God spoke and he brought the waters back and he flooded everything. But nothing's changed. Whether this flood was truly global or just covering the human world at the time, doesn't matter. The point is, God has a track record of asserting his right to judge the world. God doesn't sit outside of the universe and go, that's nice. God gets involved. God can. Peter's opponents scoff at the idea of Jesus returning to judge, but God has done so in the past and says, Peter, he's going to do it again. If what God said in the past turned to be true, turned out to be true, then then why should we doubt that what he said about the future isn't going to be true as well? There are so many other examples of God being in charge over creation. And Peter doesn't go here, but, but like, read the Gospels, every single miracle of Jesus. All those healings, all those casting out of demons, saying to the storm, oh, shush now. God is in charge. There is historical evidence that God is in charge. And the big one, Jesus rose from the dead. Peter doesn't focus on that because because he's focusing here on judgment. Because he's saying, don't believe them when they say that Jesus isn't coming back to judge the world and save his own people. There's that saying that says, those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. Peter would say, look, God has kept his word in the past. This world obviously isn't isolated from him. Whatever level you want to look at, when God says, I am in charge, I insist that, that there will come a day when everyone will be held to account. If God says that, then we should believe him because of what he's done in the past, because of his track record. And we had an old sermon about this a few weeks back. God has said that the heavens and the earth will be judged and the ungodly will be destroyed, says Peter. You deliberately forget what God has done in the past as if that's going to stop God doing something in the future. If you have a habit of hitting me every time you walk past me, and I know that you've always done this, but then I say to myself, I don't believe it. I cannot believe that John's going to hit me when I walk past I cannot believe it. I cannot believe it. I cannot believe it. I cannot believe it. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. It does. <laughs> Thank you, John. I was walking past you going, boy, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? <laughs> Scoffers choose to forget. They knew all about what God had done and said, and they choose to forget because they want to forget. Because, says Peter, they want to live for their sinful pleasures, their sinful human desires now. They don't want Jesus. You see, this, this is the thing. If you, if you want Jesus, you get to be with him forever. If you say, well, Jesus, I actually want this life, then he says, okay, then enjoy this life. But you're kidding yourself if you think I'm not coming back. Peter says, I, I think... Instead of deliberately forgetting, let us deliberately remember what God has done and promised. Because if we do that, we will be ready for God when he comes back. What about their big question? 
It's been more than 2,000 years since Jesus said, I'm coming back. Well, about 2,000 years since Jesus said, I'm coming back. If you read the Bible, all of them seem to be speaking about He's coming back soon. You've got to be ready now, now, now. What's happened? The scoffers reject the past as if that'll change it. But their logic is flawed because they forget that God is eternal. We assume that 2,000 years ago is a long time. That soon was up long ago. But you see, the problem is we live here. God lives there. God lives in eternity. God isn't bounded by time. A thousand years is like a day, and in case you think that you can work things out from that, a day is like a thousand years. Peter's point is, you can't do maths and sums in eternity like that. It doesn't work that way. For us, a day is always less than a year, but God is above time. He sees it all. And it might seem like God is being slow, and he knows what time is like. He made it after all. But, but God's not being slow. He's just being patient. He's always been, what to use the word slow, God has always been slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. God doesn't want anyone to be destroyed. He doesn't want anyone to, to die and perish. He wants us to repent, to turn to him and say, Jesus, I've been looking for life apart from you, the source of life. God loves it. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 23. God loves it when sinners turn from their ways and live. You want to know what make God, makes God happy? It's when people go, Jesus, I have turned away from you, but I'm running back to you because you are worth it. And, 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 smiles to the heavens. And it's true God elects and calls and chooses his people to himself. Um, not everyone will be saved. And although God is in charge, it doesn't give him any joy that not everyone will be saved. See, the thing is, in Jesus' sacrifice, God has done everything that needs to be done for people to be saved, to be forgiven, to be set free. But people who are unwilling to let go of their life and their sin today and people who are unwilling to accept Jesus and think that he is worth more will perish. Jesus said, if you try and hold on to your life, you're going to lose it. If you let go of your life and grab onto Jesus' life, you're going to find it. But also note, this is interesting here. What, what does Peter say? He says, um, you must not forget this one thing. A day is like a thousand years. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. Who is God being patient? Whose sake is God being patient for? For your sake. Who's Peter writing to? Hi, I'm writing to all the non-Christians in the world. Peter's writing to us. Isn't that interesting? He's writing and he says, God is being patient for your sake. Beloved ones, 
God is being patient for your sake, Nick. God is being patient for your sake, Pam. God is being patient for your sake, Reg. Vili, Leonore, all of you. God is being patient for your sake. For the sake of Christians. He was patient enough to wait until after you trusted him. Which is fantastic. And he's patient enough now for you if you are uh, turning away from him or falling away or, or if you're choosing the things of this earth, God is patient enough to go and I, I, I'm just waiting for you. I love you. Perhaps, perhaps he's patient here in this context for those who have been led astray by the false teachers. Perhaps also he's being patient for our sake so that we have a chance to tell our loved ones. And our friends and our family. Because God loves us so much, He wants, he wants to give us a chance to tell our friends and our family because he, he loves them so much. You see, that Jesus hasn't come back yet isn't a sign that He bit off too much than He could chew. But it's a sign that God's patience and love is greater than we can imagine. Isn't that incredible? And if God is so patient and merciful and loving and kind to us, then then perhaps it's something we can be to each other as well. We can encourage each other. We can give people the chance to make things right. We can extend mercy to others the way God extends mercy to us. Let's finish off. And let's just say that God is being patient, but that doesn't mean that he's putting off return. Do not leave here going, well, God is patient with me and he won't come back until I am perfect. Because, you know what, as far as God's concerned, in Jesus you're already perfect. Don't use this as an excuse to sin. The day of the Lord will come soon, when we least expect it like a thief. And there will be judged justice in the world, verse 9. And evil will be purged, and if you are shackled to evil, you will have to be purged with it. Can I have a volunteer, please? Now, Margaret, Margaret, come up to the front. Margaret, I need you to catch this pen, so can you hold your hand out for me, please? Just like this. You're going to squeeze it with your fingers and catch it, so your hand's got to be straight. Okay, just going to catch it when I drop it. Um... Yeah. So anyway, uh, what was I saying? Um, There will be justice in this world. Um, Evil will be purged. And the thing is, if you don't accept Jesus, you are still shackled to evil. The point of... (laughs) Let's try that again. (laughs) Thank you, Margaret. like that game. We don't know when Jesus is going to come back. And if we aren't expecting Jesus to return, if we aren't longing for it, we won't be ready. The earth and everything done in it will be laid bare, says the NIV. There will be no hiding place from God. Everything will change. The heavens and the elements of creation will pass away. God made this universe and he will remake it and he will return soon question is, are we going to be shackled to to sin and death or not? 
Do you know what the really good thing about this is? Can I have another volunteer? John, could you come up? And Eric, could you come up, please? Eric, could you stand on this side? John, hand out. Eric, on this side. Eric's going to be Jesus. So, let go. Okay. Okay. Eric, can you catch the pen? Okay, catch the pen. Okay, let it fall a little bit. Catch it. Okay. Without letting go. John, could you catch the pen as well? No, without letting go. Without oh, letting yeah. go. You're being Jesus. <laughs> Let's get this straight. Yeah, right. Okay. So, hold on to the pen. Wow, isn't that difficult? You see, the point is, Jesus has already got hold of us. Thank you both. It's not here. Oh, I've got to be ready for Jesus, otherwise he, uh, my, uh, my reflexes might not... Uh. You know what? Jesus has already got hold of us. If we've got hold of Jesus, trust me, he's got hold of us. Don't trust me, trust Peter. Let's make sure that we remember. Let's spend time reading the Old Testament. Let's spend time reading the New Testament. Maybe sometime this week when you read something, think about it and, and ask a question. So what? So what? How is this going to change how I live today? Remember what God has done. Many are going to poke fun at us in this world for waiting for Jesus to return. We need to remember because God's word is our sword for the fight. When Jesus was tempted, he responded with the word of God. And remembering is more than just knowing. Remembering is living that out. And finally, remember that God doesn't work according to our timetable. He is very patient and he wants us and our friends and family to be saved. doesn't mean that God's not going to come. It's just that the timing's up to him, not us. The book of Hebrews speaks about God's return as a time of shaking, where everything that is shakable will be shaken to destruction, and only the unshakable re remains. May we find our refuge in Jesus. May we not grow discontent and lose hope at how long his coming seems. May we remember that Jesus loves us and that God always keeps his promises. And may what we remember of God and his promises change how we live. Do not forget. Remember. Remember and live. Wonderful. Thank you.